Welcome back to Becoming Next on Scene, everybody. It is your host, Jackie Zook. It is another awesome day for another awesome episode of How to Become Next on Scene in your field of business or in your passion. Before I bring on my amazing guest today, I always like to start with a marketing tip to get your week started and a self-care tip to keep your week going. And this podcast is extra special. Um, it is actually going to be my last one I'm going to be doing until I have a child. Um, so yes, I'm bringing a child into the world at the end of this month. Hopefully he will be on time, if not early or first week of December. You never know. Let's really pray that he comes early <laughs> because I'm struggling. So anyway, so, um, this podcast is extra special because it is my last one until maternity leave. And, um, so I would say, let's start with the marketing tip and then I will share my self-care tip, um, that I'm just learning as I go. So my marketing tip of the week, um, this has become, so, so relevant in so many people that I talk to. And I feel like with the new year coming on, 2022 rebranding is really where it's at, right? There are things to think about. You're up-leveling your business. You want more clientele. You want to make more money. Like, don't half-ass your marketing anymore. Um, if you really, really know that it's not your zone of genius, it's really, really important to do your research and find a team or a person or whoever that is to help you get there. Um, because there's there's millions of marketing companies for a reason and you resonate with who you resonate with. And I couldn't be more clear about how important it is to really spend money on like how you're showing up online in terms of video shoots and photo shoots and also really being clear in like who you are personally and professionally. I think a lot of people sell too much and that's what deters people. So sell less, share more. It will pay forward. That is my marketing tip of the week, my self-care tip of the week. So as you all know, I'm going on maternity leave. So right now, sleeping sucks. Um, <laughs> sleeping sucks. And I'm still trying to do workouts a couple of days a week, like stretches and things like that. So if you are pregnant or know somebody who's pregnant or know somebody who's near the end, like yoga and Pilates have been really, really helpful throughout the pregnancy. Um, so I really try to do those, but realistically, as you get close to the end, like stop obsessing. And this is, I think, just a general life advice, but like the more you obsess about something, the more it doesn't happen, right? So like stop focusing on all the negative things and then the the positive things will come, right? So I think it's really important to acknowledge that like the less you obsess, the more you'll be taken care of and supported, right? So just stay positive in that mindset and it will always work out in the end. Like as discomforting as I am and complaining, I'm like, you know what? There's there's things to be grateful for in every day. I always try every day to write down five things I'm grateful for and I can't begin to tell you like how powerful that tool is. So if you're not doing that, definitely get on it. So now let's talk about my amazing guest. We have the fabulous certified financial planner, Misty Lynch. She is an awesome podcaster. I was recently on her podcast. She's also an upcoming author. She works with entrepreneurs and businesswomen, and she is doing such amazing things. We talk all about all things finance, cryptocurrency, and so much more, and also where to invest your money, you know, trends that people spend things on, and lots of other things. So I'm so excited for you to get to know Misty. If you don't, and if you do, as we know, she's awesome. So stay tuned for the amazing Misty Lynch. The ups, the downs, and all the in-between. What it takes to become next on scene. Are you next? Follow us at Next On Scene.
Welcome back to Becoming Next on Scene, everybody. I am so excited to be here with the amazing Misty Lynch. She is one fabulous certified financial planner for business women, entrepreneurs. She's also a podcast host of Demystifying Money Podcast, and she's soon to be an author. Hi, Misty. How are you today? I'm great, Jackie. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to have you. And you are such a ball of knowledge when it comes to finances. And of course, my audience who doesn't know you, like, please share how you even fell into that world. Yeah. So, you know, money was just something that I got interested in kind of by default. My parents were small business owners. um, And so in the 80s, we had like business was booming. Like we had cars. My parents had like a nice house. I had all the toys and all the things in the world that like a little girl could want. And then, you know, in the nineties, their business changed, you know, the economy changed and what my father was doing. He's a smart guy, very good at like, um, you know, he's an engineer, but he's just not good at working for someone else. And so going to get a a nine to five job was just never going to happen for him. But I saw how business could like could change. And it wasn't a matter of how hard you worked or how smart you were. And so I kind of just always felt like, oh, okay. Like, well, if we had more money, things would be comfortable again, things would be better. And so I was in like the sixth grade when we did like a stock market competition. And I learned that like people actually make money doing nothing, but (laughs) investing in other businesses that are making money. And so I thought that I'd like solved it from my family. I was like, no, no guys, this is, this is what we do. (laughs) So of course I'm like a 12 year old kid, but it did, it just got my interest. And then I started working really young. I just, when I started to make money, even as a, like a waitress, I just enjoyed it. Like I liked making money. I wanted to have more of it. I wanted to hold on to more of it than I saw. Cause I saw some of my friends' parents and I lived in a nice town in Connecticut and we were just, you know, we were just at a different, in a different place financially than a lot of the people I knew. And it wasn't as stressful for them. All those kids had to do was go to school, get good grades. Like that was what they thought about where we were always thinking about like survival, getting by. And so totally, totally different situations. So I just always was trying to figure out, like, if I can understand money and how it works, then I think I could do whatever I want with my life. And so that's really just where I kind of, you know, I just kind of always wanted to learn more about it. And so that's kind of how that started. But like, seriously, in sixth grade, like, I never would have thought what I wanted to do with my life. Like, I'm so fascinated that like, that was like your aha moment, though, really. Right. right? No, it was. And like, for a while, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer, because really, all I wanted to do was like, figure out like, okay, what jobs make a lot of money? Like, how do you get paid? Well, because I just, when you don't have money, or when you used to have money, and you don't anymore, you realize that it just takes over everything you think about. Right. Like it's just hard to, it's hard to enjoy the scenery when you're like trying to just get by. And so it really, you know, granted, I, my, my parents are happy. They were, you know, they, it wasn't constant like stress and struggle, but I mean, there was always just a, it was just always a background noise. It's always something. How are we going to do this? When are we going to get paid? And when you don't have a nine to five job, like we could go months without clients coming in and things like that. So it was just really just a different lifestyle. And so I was like, okay, I'll get a job and figure out like how this works, but also saw the great side of being an entrepreneur where you actually can, you know, you can just create a business and start helping people and doing something that you enjoy. And I mean, so that part was just, I was glad I had exposure to that too. 
I mean, that's awesome. And I also think like, what better than to be exposed younger? Like it's unfortunate when you're in the moment, but I feel like it preps you so well for your future. You realize it now, right? You look back, you're like, thank God I realized that when I was like younger. Yeah. Cause I see people go through that today where I see people, you know, maybe they're going through a divorce later in life or they, they lost their job maybe last year or something and they've never experienced this. And it's like, it, it's like a shock to them and it feels like a personal failure. It feels like they did something wrong or they should have, you know, and, and they, they get really, you know, they could be really hard on themselves for not understanding necessarily how money works aside from, you know, having a job, making money, spending it, but they're not really, if it's not what you study or it's not what you've been taught to do, um, it's not something that people are just born knowing. So So I think people are really, you know, can be really hard on themselves for not being perfect when it comes to money. But, um, most of the time there's still a lot of things that they could do to change their situation, but it can be really scary if you, and you know, I feel like, okay, I've kind of seen that. So like, I know what's scarier than investing is like poverty. (laughs) So I'm like, I think everything else seems a lot less risky than actually the thought of running out of money when you've actually seen that be a possibility. Siri, Siri's chiming in. Yeah. She's just like, you don't make any sense lady. Oh my God. No, you're making a lot of sense. So I want to talk more about too, like, because financial advisors and sort of like, there's so many different companies you can be a part of. And like, can you talk more about like how you really decided, like who you wanted to be a part of in terms Mm -hmm. of the company and like what really differentiates you in the industry? Because I feel like it's very, a lot of people are so unfamiliar with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a really, there's a lot of differences in the industry. And I think that even the words that people use can be kind of confusing for people like what's a financial advisor versus investment advisor or planner. And so, you know, one of the things that was important to me is I'm not good at selling a particular product because that's what a company tells me to do. So um, that's why I work for an independent investment advisory firm where I don't get paid commissions on selling products. Now I do think that like insurance products can be great things and part of a financial plan, but also um, I'm held to this standard, this fiduciary standard as a CFP and an independent advisor where I have to do what's in the best interest of my clients at all times, even if it's not the best financial decision for me. (laughs) And so that just kind of lines up with my values more because I don't think that the the industry, you know, if you're not a fiduciary, you really just have to sell something suitable. So I was talking about this at a conference the other day. It was like when I was in, um, when I was in college, I worked at a Victoria's secret and we were told to sell water bras that, that season. And that was the thing. Everybody who walked in the store was supposed to get a, a be sold a water bra. And so I would talk to somebody and they'd say they want something comfortable. They, they want something because they're very active and, or they're moving around a lot. And I'm like, Oh, you don't want this. I mean, they were terrible products. And so I, I realized then after they didn't invite me to come back the next year that like, I, I can't do it. Like if, if somebody's telling me to sell somebody something and there's something better out there for them, even if I don't make my goals or I don't make as much money, like that's what I want them to have because it's better for them. So like working for a firm, if they said you have to sell this X amount of insurance or this type of product, I, I, I know that I wouldn't do well. And so that's why I kind of, I enjoy working in the, you know, in the stock market, but really doing financial plans for people because it's really just kind of taking a, you know, it's like a puzzle and just figuring out what are pieces that they have 
how to put them together, figuring out the best thing for them, because it's going to be totally different than anyone else that they know. And like making sure that they understand what they're doing and start taking action. So I love like the planning side of it. So a certified financial planner, that's their job is really just to figure out you, your family, everything that's going on and make sure that you have the best strategy going forward. And then, you know, the investment advisor side, that's where I just manage money and trade stocks. (laughs) So they're very different. But you can find people that do all sorts of things. But I think starting with a financial plan can be really important because, you know, I can manage one piece of somebody's financial life and then have no clue what's going on with the rest of it. And so to me, it just doesn't make sense to not have a clear picture of everything. It's a really, really good insight. I'm like so (laughs) glad you shared. You shared such an interesting statistic with me too, about 73% of workers reported to be actively thinking about quitting the job too. So that to me is like mind blowing, right? Well, I guess after COVID. So tell me about that in your industry, like like people's financials switched, right? Yeah. And this is really, really fascinating. And I've loved working with some people on this particular thing. I think there was just this huge awakening with people where they were kind of going about their normal lives. And then all of a sudden things changed, whether it was the work they were doing, their commute, where, what, where they lived, all of these things were kind of changing. And now I think as people are able to go back into the office or they realize that their employer didn't maybe care about them as much as they thought as humans, you know, if they were like risking their lives to take these shifts or anything like that, there's a lot of people who are just like, what do I want to do with this? Like, you know, precious short as life that I have, you know, and a lot of people were like, this isn't for me. And so I've talked to a few people, which is a great time to talk to people while they're making this decision, because sometimes I'll talk to people after they made the decision. And maybe if they stayed two months longer, they would have gotten a bonus, or maybe they would have had something that really could have been worth waiting for. Like I spoke with someone recently where it's like at the year end, if she stays until then, you know, it's almost like a $20,000 bonus that she could be receiving. Now, If we work together on the mental side of it, getting through those two months, treating them like you gave your two weeks notice in your head so you could just walk into work, not be bothered with all this stuff because you know the plan is this is short term until, you know, we can get to this point. That can be really helpful, especially if you're going into entrepreneurship, because a lot of times people want to work for themselves. They really, you know, they're they're ready you know, they feel like so, you know, empowered. They want to do this. And I love that. But sometimes we just want to make sure that there's enough of a runway so we don't get to like month two. And they feel that feeling that I remember where money's tight. It's really scary. And then they say, okay, forget it. I got to bail. I got to go back to find a job or whatever, because if they give themselves a little bit of, you know, of money to get by, right. Then they could, they could give their business a chance. And so I like doing that planning, but there's a lot of people who really just, I don't know, they're, they're, they're being creative. They maybe have a little bit more time to think about what they want to do. And it's really exciting, but employers definitely have had to step up as far as what they offer and what they, how they accommodate people, because I think the workforce is changing and it's waking up. And I, I think there'll be massive changes, but when those things happen, there's usually a lot of money moving around, including 401ks, things like that, where people have built their wealth and it's worth paying attention to them and making sure that those 
those don't stay and be, you know, forgotten about and, you know, and they come with that person and they use, they use what they have to their advantage. Right. That's so interesting. My dog is like scratching a bed in the back. So if you hear it, <laughs> okay. just had to put that out there, you know, oh my gosh. All the cameos between Siri and dogs. It's fine. <laughs> You have a dog too, Missy, right? So, I do. Yeah. So I do. I, I have a giant Rottweiler. I love the Halloween costume. That was like <laughs> the cutest thing ever, by the way. Yeah, I know. I feel like it's it's funny. My marketing is like, you know, financial advice and then occasional dog videos. And I'm like, you know what? as long as no one tells me I can't. So I'm Great. just going to go. <laughs> but here's the thing. You're going to relate to all the dog people. I know. And I mean... Yeah. I know people, when I ask them like about what they love spending money on, because it's something I ask all of my clients, so many of them are like my dog or my pets. And I'm just like, okay, like, yeah, I totally get that. Like we're working really hard so our dogs can have the lives they deserve. Totally. totally. So, okay. So this brings up an interesting question. So where do most people spend their money? Like in terms of like lifestyles, where like are the trends that you see most people spend their money? So most people spend their money on food, <laughs> which is true. We think about food a lot during yeah. the day. I, I spoke with yeah. someone who said, you know, all the things that we have. And um, yeah, and I think that this was something, especially, um, and this was this was common even before the pandemic, but I think that a lot of people spend a lot of money on food and they feel really bad about it. But I don't, and I think that it's, it's funny because they shouldn't feel bad about it. But what they should see is like, okay, are we spending a thousand dollars a month on groceries, throwing it all away and getting food? It's like, just figure out who you are, not who you wish you would be. Like that woman who eats that salad that she buys in the bag and then throws it out every week. Like we can just leave that alone. We could just stop buying it and, you know, decide what we're going to plan. And so kind of, I've seen a lot of people, yeah, food, uh, takeout, now going back to restaurants and stuff like that. Travel used to be a huge thing that people told me that they valued, but I wouldn't always see it so much showing up in their spending. And so that was one of the things I like to do is figure out what people want to spend their money on and then make sure it lines up because if they say they love to travel and they have no money set aside for travel and then they don't do it, they're going to be paying the bills and working and doing things for the kids or whatever, and kind of feel like something's missing. And so it's kind of figuring out what those things that they love. If some people that love to travel, some people are spending a lot of money improving their home lately because we've spent more time at home. Maybe there's renovations. Maybe there's like, I'm sick of this kitchen. I just want to do it. And so I'm definitely seeing like an uptick there. Um, but yeah, really, really it's, it's more simple things than people think, you know, I think if you look at social media stuff, you might think it's like shopping adventures. And it's like, a lot of people are just spending money on like food and in, in their house. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it may, it also makes sense, I guess, during this, these past two years, yeah. because what else were people able to do? Right. right. You're looking around and you're like, God, I hate this bathroom. Right. <laughs> I just want to fix it. Or I just want right. to paint or redo it. And it's because you were just there. And like now, I mean, I've seen less people, you know, cars were just maybe not as big a deal because if you're not driving to work or commuting, so that's kind of shifting where now people are thinking like, okay, you know, what kind of car do I actually want? What's my commute? Like, do I, you know, so they're making different decisions. And I think, but mostly it's, it's a lot of refinancing stuff like that, that they're like, I think this would be the time to do it. So Right. And also because the rates are just like unreal right now. Yeah. Yeah. And people are like spending time. They're actually, which is, you know, 
it's a good thing. But when we get busy, we tend to like not think about that stuff, like because life is busy. And so it's like, okay, well, yeah, I'll, I'll get around to doing some work on a financial plan or figuring out like if I want to invest or refinance. But people had time. They had time and they were able to do some reading and watching things. And I think it it kind of got a lot of people inspired to like actually make a phone call, reach out and look and see if there was something that they could do. Um, because instead of the fear of missing out on like a party or an event, it was like, what if I miss out on this like great time to refinance? <laughs> and so it's like similar motivation, but it might've, you know, gotten people to do some things that are really going to be a big advantage in the next decade. No, super good. And then I have to ask this question because I feel like it's everywhere and I really know nothing about it, but like, what's your theory on cryptocurrency and like Bitcoin yeah. and all that stuff? Yeah. So I've definitely been doing, like, I've read a couple of books and people and I, I like, I, I don't own crypto personally because my investing strategy is um, based on research and um, different financials and different information that we can see about a company's performance and their projected performance, their earnings and their dividends. Now, crypto doesn't have that type of research or information. It's basically worth whatever someone's willing to pay for it. So I wouldn't know when to sell it. And so I don't buy it. However, I do think that I understand why people are interested in it. And I know some people who've made quite a bit of money, um, some people who've lost a lot of money too. And so I think that it it's kind of, if you're willing to, if you want to learn about it and you are willing to maybe part with that money, if it doesn't work out, then I think it's all right. But I do feel like it's a lot more speculative than say investing in the stock market just because of the amount of research regulation. I mean, if, if there's a hacker or something like, like, it's just really, I just don't know enough about like what happens to it. If I die, I, I like all of those things, which I think will start to be figured out and it'll start to become much more mainstream. But at this point, I'm really just kind of watching out of curiosity. I do have some clients that own it and I support that because I think if you're, you can't really learn about some of this stuff by reading a book, you have to do it. You know, like I could read about rock climbing and I'm not going to know what to do when I get there. But I also think that if you're just looking to like, you know, it's like when people say, I don't want to save money. I don't want to, you know, invest. It's risky, but I think I'd love to win the lottery or I'd love to buy some crypto. It's kind of like that Hail Mary that they think would definitely like solve all the problems, but it, it, it doesn't. It's just kind of like, um, it's just the way that our brains are wired where I'm like, well, we could do it this way and like have a, you know, we could definitely make sure that, you know, have enough money in the future, but it's not easy. So, true. so, so yeah, true. but I do think there's going to be a place for decentralized currency. I do think that some of these coins will be worthless. And I think some will, you know, potentially be incredibly valuable um, down the road, but I just don't, yeah, I couldn't build a, I couldn't build a strategy around it. So I wouldn't know how to do it. So interesting. I'm like, I just keep hearing so much more about it. And everybody's keep saying like, it's going to be mainstream at some point. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't, I don't disagree with that because I do think that there are, you know, that there is a, there is a desire for it. I think that, you know, before it used to just be for like, you know, 
almost, I mean, I can't go buy something with crypto right now, not necessarily everywhere. So for me, it's like, okay, like go buy a coffee with it. Maybe at some point you will be able to soon, but like, it's kind of, you know, one of those, one of those things that I'm like, Oh, okay. Like I I'd prefer, I don't invest in anything that I don't fully understand. And I don't think that people should, you know, like if I know how something works, like, okay, if I have shares of Microsoft, like I know what they do. I know how it works. And I, you know, I understand, you know, kind of when I would get, you know, when I would buy more, when I would sell it with crypto, it's just kind of like, it seems really, um, like emotionally charged. It is. (laughs) And like, and it's, it's exciting. And I think like anything that gets people excited about their money and investing, um, I'm here for that because I think that it is an exciting space. And all of us use money, whether we think that, you know, money is, you know, the root of all evil or whatever, like we all use it. We've got to use it. We've got to figure it out. Um, and women and men are both talking to me about crypto and interested in it, which is kind of a good thing, but it's also like, what's the motivation? Like why crypto? Is it because of your belief in blockchain technology or is it because you want, you want a quick fix? Right. And so there's really no shortcuts in this space. Oh, that's such, such good advice. So can you share more too about how you work with clients? Yeah, sure. So a lot of my clients, a hundred percent of my clients get some financial planning. Um, Like I mentioned before, like if I, if I'm just looking at one investment account, I can help them with that and I could grow that. But my relationship really is with that person and with their family. So when I meet with a client, I typically we'll find out all about like what money's been like them for them now, what their job is. Um, you know, if they're supporting anybody else financially, that could be children. It could be aging parents. It could be, you know, somebody who is, you know, on a, there could be so many people that they might be financially tied to. And then if there's a reason to bring those people into the conversation too, because I don't want to do a beautiful financial plan for somebody, have them bring it home and have their spouse be like, we're never doing this. Because then that's no point. So, you know, and most couples have different ideas and dreams when it comes to money. So I like to kind of bring everybody who's involved together and then just kind of figure out what they want to do with their money because money is fantastic, but I don't know anybody that just wants to die with the most of it. Like, you want to live your life. You, you probably have some things that you'd love to, to do or to be able to, to work on. Some people want to work forever, but they might not be able to. So I'm trying to figure out like, okay, what's the baseline here? Basically, Right. Yeah. Yeah. How much does it cost to be you an average month? I'm not going to say it's too much or too little. I just need to know like what, what we're looking at. And uh, most people think that they spend frivolously and that they spend too much and that, you know, they should be doing something different. But a lot of people are in a better spot than they than they realize that their money's just all over the place and they've never seen it like brought together into like a whole picture. And so, yeah. So what I do then is once I figure out how much it costs to be them, what they have available to them, then I just kind of work on a strategy to kind of optimize it. And sometimes for people, if they say, I don't want to work you know, a day after 60, then we might have some work to do. We might have to either invest more money. We might need to create more income streams. It's not always just about cutting things out of the budget because sometimes that's not enough. And so kind of figuring out like, what can they do? How could they make more money? How could they, you know, maybe it's moving. Like maybe there could be so many different options. And so then I run those scenarios through to say like, okay, well, what if we did start a side business here? And what if it made a thousand dollars a month? 
what could we do with that? If we paid down the debt with that or we invested it, could this shave a few years off of working at that nine to five job? So kind of just playing around with all the scenarios that are possible so they can make better expensive decisions because our brains are always going to think the worst. They're always going to think it's probably not going to work out. And so sometimes when I can show people in a report or something like that, like this definitely works out. Or if we do this instead of this, this works, you know, this creates another hundred thousand dollars or something like that. They might be able to say, okay, well, clearly we should go with A instead of B, but um, making those decisions because it's stressful. You're afraid you're going to mess up. And when we're afraid, we tend to just do nothing (laughs) because it's kept us alive so far, but there's really, you know, there's usually a lot of things to do. And then, you know, if people are leaving their jobs or they're starting a small business, like then I figure out the right type of account for them. So for a lot of small businesses lately, I've been starting like very small or solo 401ks for people who maybe had the best year of their lives in 2020. And we're like, what do I do with this? You know, because their business went from like trotting along to like explosive growth. And so now they want to maybe save on taxes want to be a good employer and maybe set up something that their employees can contribute to and that they could kick in a little if they have a good year. And so finding out like, what's the best way to, you know, to have them invest, save on taxes, be a great employer. Um, if they're self-employed, like, which is the best option for them based on how they pay themselves and then just kind of set them up and put it on autopilot. So they don't have to think about it every time they get paid because they've got bigger things to do. That's freaking awesome. I love that concept for the yeah. 401k for the small businesses. Yeah, it's so great. And I mean, some of these things are just like, oh yeah, I know I should, or I had one of those, you know, when I worked, you know, when I worked a nine to five job or somewhere else and it's somewhere and, but they were like, oh yeah, that was nice because like now all of a sudden I look at it, it's like got all this money in it or, and it's like, yeah, it's how it works, <laughs> you that know, okay. Okay. but it, a lot of times it's just not messing with things and just kind of setting yourself up. And then really, you know, I think a a lot of business owners, and I saw this with my parents being self-employed, like taxes and health insurance and all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's expensive. And so when you're transitioning out of a different type of lifestyle, like corporate or something like that, um, it can, it can be like, whoa, (laughs) I didn't expect this. And then usually the setting up the retirement accounts is like the last thing that happens because it's not, it's not on fire right now. And there's so many other things to think about. So trying to make sure, like, I'm just trying to make sure that they get that done because that's what I wish somebody did for us, like, like, back in the day. Yeah. Totally. Love it, Misty. You are filled with (laughs) such great information. Oh, thank you. Okay. Before we play game time and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, learn a little bit more about Misty, can you share how people can follow you on socials and get in touch? Sure. So um, I'm Misty Lynch CFP on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And also my website is just mistylynch.com. So that's where you could find the podcast, um, some blogs, and then just some general information about coaching or investing or financial planning if you're interested. So that's probably the easiest way to find me. It's one of the good things about having a unique name. (laughs) I was able to get that domain back in the day. And so, yeah, you could find me there. Love it. And then you have your book coming out next year. Do you want to just share that really quickly before? Yeah. So I was, I was realized that I started talking about a lot of the same things with some of the the clients that I was working with. And a lot of it had nothing to do with money. It had to do with the way they felt about money. And those were all just their thoughts and the things that have been programmed in their heads since they were, since they were young. And we do start thinking about money. A lot of our thoughts are kind of 
kind of squared away by the time we're seven years old. So it's really important to look at some of the things that we believe and take a minute to question if they're actually true or if they're really just thoughts. And so if you think you're only going to make $50,000 a year ever because you're a teacher, like, is that true? Or is it possibly something that you've just been told over and over again? So kind of if the book is really to help people kind of examine what they believe right now, take some action. And then the, the last part of the book is really getting used to doing new things and believing new things and, um, and how that might change everything <laughs> that's going on in your life, just so they can actually be happier and feel good about oh, what they're doing, no matter how much they're making or bringing in. So good. That's so exciting. And you said it'll be out aiming for like February, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm hoping to get it out early in 2022. We're kind of finishing it up now, but just, um, you know, going through some editing, it's been such a fun experience though. It's definitely been, um, therapeutic, I guess, (laughs) because these are all thoughts that I've had to, these are all things that I've had to coach myself through and work on. And I still sometimes will get caught up thinking like, but that's not me. Like I can make you know, I can make this much, but not that, you know, and it, it, I catch myself all the time. And even with the way I talk to my kids, um, about money, I do try to make sure that I give them that, that feeling that they can do a lot of amazing things with money, but it's just, it's just a tool. Yeah. It's not the most important thing. I love that. I'm so excited. So is it going to be digital print? What is the, yeah, so it'll be, there'll be digital copies in print. And I think I'm going to try to do an audible because I just, I, I listen to books sometimes when I'm like walking or in the car. So I think I might want to do that as well, but it'll definitely be available in digital and print. Love it. Okay. So fun. Are you ready for a quick little game time? And we're going to talk about fun facts about Misty that we don't. Yes. So, all right. So you used to have stage fright, which is so funny because I feel like now you're speaking, you're, you have your own podcast. So where, when did it change? I guess is my question. Yeah. So I used to have like, it it was, um, when I was working at John Hancock, I remember like, because I was a woman, (laughs) occasionally they wanted me to like, usually be a moderator. (laughs) to be honest, to like have that. And so I started, um, I was very comfortable talking with people one-on-one, but if I ever had to speak in front of a group, I would feel like my throat would close up, like dry mouth instantly sweating, like terrified. And so I, um, I just realized, and you can't practice it Hmm. because you can't like, I could talk to my dog, but you can't practice a crowded room. (laughs) Like it's so hard. And so I started like doing some webinars on some of the topics that I thought would be helpful. So I got used to like memorizing a script. So it felt natural and kind of trying to get communicate in a way, even if people are just dialing in on phone or or listening. And so it really took a lot of practice and it was the same thing with writing. I thought I was a bad writer. And then I just decided to write a blog once a week until I felt like that thought went away. (laughs) But yeah, so the speaking part, and then I started to really enjoy it after a while. It felt like, but I still, I'll pick out one person in the, in the crowd and feel like I'm just talking to them. That's what they <laughs> tell you to do, right? Like, it's so mm-hmm. smart. It's so and smart. you'll usually find one person who's like nodding their head and like listening. And you're just right. like, okay, if this helps somebody or they take something away from it, if there's 10 people in the room on their phone, I don't care. It's fine. Right. That's it's fine. Because there might be one person there that really likes 
you know, really was there to listen and learn. And I think a lot of us are really being more mindful of where we spend our time. And when we show up in an event or a webinar, even if there's five people, they want to hear from you. Well, cause <laughs> and there's, it's so much, there's so many opportunities now mm-hmm. to do anything that you want really. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. The internet. Oh my God. So mm-hmm. cool. Love it. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. Then this made me laugh that you were a hooker. <laughs> Um, on the UConn women's rugby team. So what is that position? And that made me laugh when I first read it because I was like, oh my God. Yeah, no, I I love that because you're asking for fun facts. And I remember saying that in like a boardroom of people. And I was like, I used to be a hooker. And they were like, what? uh, It's actually in in rugby, um, there's like the pack. There's like the big group of people that kind of collide together. And the hooker is like the person propped up in the middle of two bigger people and just kind of thrown in the, into another person's head. And when they roll the ball in, they try to kick it out. So I, I played that position for a while, but it was, I mean, I've always just loved sports and like UConn, I was not making the basketball team, sadly, <laughs> field hockey team. Rugby there. Is not an so I played sport, rugby and right? it was nuts, but like, I love, I've always loved being around like teams or like groups of women. Like I've always just had so much fun, you know? Um, and so that was just, that was part of my, yeah, <laughs> part of my I, past. But I it just have it's to funny. like give you credit for this too, because I feel like in your world of career, it's very male dominated. Yeah. And I just give you so much credit for going in and like being a female that's like rocking. So I think. Yeah. Thank you. No, it's definitely like, there's definitely fewer women. I think only like 14% of CFPs are women. I think even less than that are, you know, women of color, like it, it, the statistics are not good and they're not getting better, but I think it was because the job financial advice, like there's usually no salary, there's usually no, um, stability. And so I think that a lot of times women, it's not that they're scared, but I think women make pretty smart financial decisions. And like, no one was looking at me and being like, Oh, you're going to take over my firm someday. You're just like me. Like I was nobody's succession plan. So you really kind of have to go out there on your own and work your way through it. And so, you know, it can be a pretty, it can be a pretty rough career path for, for people who weren't maybe, um, a legacy (laughs) or like had wealth that could support them for a while themselves. And so that, you know, for some women, if you're first generation kind of, you know, building wealth for your own, your own self and your family, it's a, it's a tough road, but hopefully it'll get better and a lot more inclusive because people, I think people want to, <laughs> we want to work with, you know, who you feel the most comfortable with. And so, you know, I think it's good. The more diversity you have, the better. I love it. Yeah. So great. So great. Okay. So now quick game time. So what is Misty's favorite food? Pizza. Okay. What's on the pizza? It would be pepperoni. And then also I've now started with like the hot honey on pepperoni pizza. So good. So good. It's so good. <laughs> I like had it from a food truck and I don't know if I can ever go like change. Yeah. Hilarious. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay. If you could wear one outfit for the rest of your life from head to toe, what would it be and why? It would be probably the shirt that I'm wearing right now from Banana Republic. I bought it in like 14 colors (laughs) because it's there. And then I have some pants from Athleta that like, they have some pockets 
in them and they're very comfortable, but people are always like, Oh, I like those pants. And so they feel like sweatpants, but they kind of look, make me look like I got dressed. So I, I think it. I would probably wear what exactly we're wearing today. That sounds awesome. Every day. Like a flip-flop person, sneakers, like what kind of shoes are we talking about? Yeah. So I've got, let's see, I have Ugg slippers that I love and I wear those most of the time. And then I have Rothy's, which I really have. I really I've enjoyed those what shoes. Are they exactly. They're flats. They're real comfortable. They've got like, you could throw them in the washing machine and they think they're made out of plastic bottles or something crazy, but, um, they're super, yeah, they're super comfortable. And so I've, I I wear those. I tried wearing heels the other day and I just forgot what that was like. (laughs) Freaking whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, so I'm like, I might just be okay with being five foot three and letting everyone know it. I think that's totally fine. That's a good height. I'm five feet. Okay. I'm three yeah. feet shorter. So <laughs> I can attest to that. That's hilarious. Yeah. But you've got like cool heels and stuff. Like I have like terrible pumps from when I worked in like corporate finance suit, power suit job. And I don't, I my, think I need to figure it out. Heels, Misty. Time, for <laughs> <new heels. laughs> time for some new ones. I love it. Okay. Where is your favorite place you've ever traveled? And what's a bucket list place you've never been you want to go? Yeah. So my favorite place that I've ever traveled probably would be probably Hawaii. I went to Maui um, a few times. I got married out there. Oh, nice. Like, I don't know, 14 people. (laughs) It's not this small, but everyone's on vacation. So Hawaii is just amazing. And then bucket list. I have to get to um, Santa Barbara, California. I've never been there, but I just feel like compelled to go. And I think I would love it. And I think I would just, I would like to go sit at a vineyard there and just enjoy myself. Sounds (laughs) amazing. It's all like beach there. It's like beach. Yeah. It just sounds really like I've been to Northern California and LA, but I'm like, I think that's because that's where the people I know in Northern and Southern California go when they need to get away. So I'm like, Oh, that sounds, that sounds right. I love that. And it's so different. That's like totally different than Hawaii. Like in terms of lifestyle, I feel like it's so much busier in that area. Yeah. So and I'm a fan of Puerto Rico too. That's yeah. one of my other favorite places to go. It's been a long time, but I would, um, yeah, I used to have to audit an agency in San Juan and that was always the best trip. Cause it was a nice short flight and like just amazing. I love it. Oh my God. So fun. Okay. Final question. If you could spend a day with somebody you've never met dead or alive, who would you choose and why? Dolly Parton. I'm obsessed. She's awesome. She's created such a legacy, huh? She is my, like, that is my North star. As far as like, when I think about like what I would do if I, you know, built well, if I had millions of dollars, like she's not a billionaire because she does so much for humanity. <laughs> Like she could be, but instead she's out there like funding the Moderna vaccine and getting books in the hands of children. And she's just, I don't know. I think she might be an angel on earth. I I love it. I love it. I also couldn't believe when she had her own amusement park. I was like, I didn't even know that. You know how, like, I don't even know if she made money on that. Cause like everyone got to go for free. Like if you had like nothing or you came from, you know, I, I think that she's just one of those people that you're just like, cause she, she just embraced being a woman, being herself, doing things completely the way she wanted. And just the, the fact that like, it really just goes to show like anybody can, anybody can make whatever kind of world they want. And if you have a lot of money, it doesn't mean you're going to turn into a jerk or be this corporate cold, like there's people like that out there that are using their wealth to like actually change the world. Dude, it's so true. I love that. I asked this question all, nobody said her so good. Such a great answer. 
that, love that. she's amazing. Know, like if you dive into like all the stuff she's done, it's actually, it it's quite dictionary. Probably. Yeah. 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 She's outstanding. Oh, well, Missy, this has been so much fun today. Can you please share again with us how people can follow you, get in touch. And if you have anything you want to offer to the audience, definitely share. Sure. So, um, thank you so much for having me. If you want to follow me, you can find me on social media at Misty Lynch CFP. Um, and also there's information on my website. If you're interested in financial planning, investing or group coaching. And if you are interested in making an investment in yourself this year, maybe it's time to work on your money mindset or some of the business issues that you've got going on. So you can, you know, build that dream life of yours. If you want to join our group coaching program, you can get $200 off if you enter podcast, um, at checkout. And so I think that working on your brain and on yourself is just the best investment you could possibly make. So I would love to have you join us. We have group calls every single week. I do a training every month with different worksheets and things like that for you to think about and resources to deal with things like your emotions, believing new things, relationships, all the things that maybe aren't financial, but are so financial. Love it. Yeah. (laughs) Everything at the end of the day is connected to that. Everything at the end of the day. Yep. Yeah. So fun. Well, thank you again so much, Misty. Thank you everyone so much for tuning in to Becoming Next On Scene and stay tuned for who's next on scene. The ups, the downs, and all the in-between. What it takes to become next on scene. Are you next? Follow us at Next On Scene.